You know, Mike Tomlin said some pretty interesting things this offseason about encountering challenges, embracing those challenges. I wonder if he's trying to psych himself up into continuing his coaching career or if he's, you know, maybe nearing the end. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Tomlin's been at this for a while now, for more than a decade. He's had his Super Bowl. He's had his Super Bowl appearance that didn't pan out. He's had his conference championship games, and of course, he's had this current stretch in which he hasn't won a blessed thing for quite a while. And already, and I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, he's been at this a lot longer than most NFL coaches. Now, the reason for that, of course, is that he's been successful, at least in the regular season. Everyone knows he's never had a losing record. He's come really, really close a lot of times, including... This past season, but he's never had one, and that will keep you employed, especially in a place like Pittsburgh, where they value stability. But step back from what you know about Tomlin, and even what you hear from him directly, whether it's in you know those coldish press conferences that he has with those of us who cover the team on a regular basis, or even the really wide open, uh, wide ranging interviews that he's had with. You know, former players like Ryan Clark, those of you who saw that extraordinary session, at least extraordinary to the outside, we get to see him like that in practices and we get to see him like that informally. But the moment he steps behind a podium or behind some microphones and cameras in a formal setting around a team, he clams up. But step step back from all of that and just look at this. What were the two constants? The two big constants, I should say, throughout Tomlin's tenure. One was obvious, Kevin Colbert, now gone. The other, arguably even more obvious, Ben Roethlisberger. Tomlin had his Hall of Fame GM. Tomlin had his Hall of Fame quarterback. He had relationships, intensive relationships with both of those men. And he had opportunities along the way a lot of them, some would argue, to be more successful than he was. But independent of that, they've been linked. They've been linked in a lot of ways, and most of them, obviously, for the positive. So now he's out there without the GM, without the quarterback, and he uses lines commonly about how He's really relishing the opportunity to go into a season without Ben, meaning not in the negative sense toward Ben, but meaning the uncertainty that's there. He's flying into the face of it or any of those other Tomlinisms that he could bring up. He seems to make that point more often than anybody who's asking him a question on that. And that makes it sound like He's eager to run into Tomlin 2.0 or whatever you'd call it. But I don't know, man. I don't know. After this break, I'll share with you different things that I've heard about his future. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. There have been times that I've heard from people close to Tomlin that this is it. He's going to line up with this event or that event and work himself out of being an NFL head coach. And that actually makes a lot more sense to me given his personality, than him being somebody who just hangs around like for eons, like an Andy Reid. I don't see Tomlin, and I honestly don't think anybody should, as some singular or simple-minded individual that he could only ever be a football coach. As bright well, genius as Bill Belichick is, I actually do see that in him. I see him as being obsessive. I see Belichick coaching his way right into the grave. Tomlin, Tomlin's about more substantive stuff. And I could see the day coming where he would say, you know what? I've put a whole lot into this game. I've put a whole lot into this franchise. I've put a whole lot into this city. And now it's time to put a whole lot into something else. That's actually much more in line with what I'd heard about Tomlin before last season. This was a year ago. And there were, you know, I, I call them rumblings. I don't like to use the word rumors because that sounds like somebody who whispering, whispering this or that. Or, and that's not what this was. This was people who know him. This was people relaying what they believed to be true about him and saying that they weren't sure if he was even going to want to come back after the Colbert slash Ben year. And I have every reason to trust that these people wouldn't be putting something like that forth maliciously. They, they know and respect him. But then something, something went off. And I'm not sure what it was. I'm not sure if the head coach just said, you know what? Maybe I have been tied to the GM's success. Maybe I have been tied to the quarterback's success. Maybe, especially in the final year of Ben's tenure, he was more anchored to the quarterback and the quarterback's limitations, judging by how Tomlin stood by, and I mean rigidly stood by, Matt Canada. He... Tomlin sees something in Canada that he really likes. And he is a smart enough football man to have realized very early on in the process, I'm sure, that Canada and Ben weren't going to make a whole lot of sense together, even if they tried. So now here's Tomlin. He's got Najee Harris, loves Najee, can't get through a sentence without singing about him. He's been doing that from the split second the kid was drafted. I've never seen Tomlin react. Ah, I shouldn't say never. It's been a long time. The first time I saw it was with Marquise Pouncey. The next was with Ryan Shazier. He loves Najee Harris in the same bracket 
as those two players. So consider that the shelf. And from there, he really, really lit up at the idea of drafting Kenny Pickett and of having that next potential franchise quarterback in Pittsburgh. Of course, we all know how he responds to defense, and we now know for sure, since it's been backed by a vote, that he's coaching the best defensive player in the world. So maybe that's what this is. Maybe it is. Maybe this is a second life or a 2.0. I'll tell you what, it sure feels a whole lot more like that than all that stuff I was hearing about a year ago, which I hear none of anymore. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped. Not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And our J1Q comes from Bradley Jump, who says, Hey, DK, love the show. I wanted to ask how much you think the Steelers' record would change this year if one of the team's superstars goes out with a season-ending injury. For example, how much does the record change if the Steelers lose T.J. Watt? What about Najee Harris? What about Minka Fitzpatrick? You know, honestly, Bradley, in the moment, the player that I'm going to pick as being the one that you just couldn't live without is the easy, low-hanging fruit choice, and that's, of course, T.J. If you go back and look at the Steelers, not just their record in 2021 without TJ. Look at the individual quarters of the games in which he was hurt for part of the game. And you'll see that the Steelers really, really suffer without him. He makes that defense go. With all due respect to Minka and to Cam Hayward, TJ is the engine. And a the risk of stating something really obvious, I'm going to choose him. However, however, the reason that I'm not even going to consider Najee is because I prefer to not consider the idea that this football team will be satisfied with having virtually no backups for Najee going into the season. If that sounds mean toward Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, and all the other running backs in camp, so be it. My eyes tell me what my eyes tell me. and You guys have seen the same thing. Snell is not an NFL running back that you can trust to take the football every third series and reduce the workload on the starting guy. He just isn't. McFarland, I don't even know what he is. I'm not even really in a good position to criticize him because I've seen so very little, including when he has touched the football. 
I mean, at least Benny had the one game against the Browns where he ran all over them, and you thought, here's some hope for this guy. If he's just a good straight-ahead runner, you could turn him into something, and then, you know, then there's nothing. My belief, maybe I'm naive here, but my belief is that Tomlin and Omar Khan are going to go to the outside and bring in a strong, not a 1A running back, but at least a B, you know, a good, solid B+. plus. What did you consider D'Angelo Williams when he was here? Did you consider him a B-plus or about an A-minus? There were times when he was A here, okay, meaning his grade, not his ranking on the depth chart. Everybody knew who was number one there. But those guys are out there, and they're not expensive. Running backs have never been cheaper in the NFL. You just got to wait for the preseason to play out. Look around the league. Everybody's running in every preseason game. You'll get all the intel you need. Wait for the cuts. Go get that guy. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.